Hello, everyone. Welcome to this week's edition of the Rugby Lineout podcast. Uh, first of all, apologies that uh, it's been probably about two weeks um, since I did my last one, and that has been due to, as I mentioned before, I was over in the UK with my 85-year-old father uh, taking him on uh, a trip down memory lane. So, yeah, it was uh, fairly involved. Um, taking him around some of his old haunts in the UK. And as a result, there really wasn't much time to uh, do much or talk much about rugby. Uh, I did get a chance to watch the round five games of the rugby championship. Uh, I did, to the best of my ability, keep the TV page up to date over on the blog. Um, And uh, yeah, but anyway, now I'm back and uh, normal service... uh, We'll resume both on the blog and uh, here on the podcast. So this will be the first of two episodes uh, sticking to tradition. We will uh, be looking essentially forward to the final two uh, rugby championship matches. The first one between New Zealand and Australia at Eden Park in Auckland on Saturday. And then another episode uh, right behind that looking at um, the clash between Argentina and South Africa at Kings Park in Durban this Saturday. Um, we'll also obviously, in in looking forward, have a uh, reference what happened in round five uh, to all four teams. Obviously, um, it's, you know, the competition itself is as a result of uh, the events of uh, round five is still kind of wide open in theory, and I emphasize in theory, uh, any one of the four teams could still win um, the championship and raise the silverware. But ultimately, it's really down right now um, to a two, uh, two-foot race between uh, New Zealand and South Africa with Australia and Argentina uh, having an outside chance, but emphasis on the outside chance so really it's 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 down to new zealand and south africa it's both teams have their final matches at home fortress uh, eden park uh, in auckland for new zealand and king's park for south africa in durban um obviously eden park is um you know the all blacks have an outstanding track record there um pretty hard place to beat the old blacks at so uh you know history does not favor uh australia for south africa interestingly enough durban and kings park is a place where the pumas have beaten the spring blacks it just remains to be seen whether or not uh you know they can they could pull it off again the overarching theme is inconsistency seems to be plaguing all four of the teams in terms of performance. So, you know, it's a little bit like which team will turn up on the day. And in that case, you know, that could potentially favor the underdogs, uh, Australia and Argentina, but we will see. Um, but yeah, right now it, it certainly looks uh, for the most part as being a two horse race between uh, New Zealand and South Africa. So looking at that, let's look ahead in this episode to the first game. 
that's on our radar. And that is obviously the uh, the round six clash between New Zealand and uh, Australia at Eden Park in Auckland. Um, as everybody knows, uh, you know, New Zealand don't tend to lose um, at Eden Park. Um, when they played Ireland in the recent uh, Irish series, it was the one match they didn't lose. Uh, many questioned why Eden Park was not set as uh, the final test uh, venue for that Irish series. But uh, yeah, let's you know, in short, Eden Park very very happy hunting ground uh, for New Zealand. Um, Australia, not so much so. They haven't won there for a considerable period of time. I think I don't have the exact, uh, the exact date. Um, but yeah, I think it would go back at least to the 90s um, since the last time they beat uh, New Zealand at Eden Park. So certainly for Australia, um, the odds are against them. However, having said that, uh, let's... Let's get some elephants out of the room. Um, looking back at uh, their narrowest of losses to um, Australia in the round five uh, Bledisloe uh, match, in which, you know, sadly for Australia, they lost the Bledisloe Cup uh, as New Zealand clinched the game at the death, 39 to 37. Um, now, obviously, if you've been watching social media, it has been um, rife since that game um, with with comments about that highly controversial call by French referee Mathieu Renal at the death for time-wasting by Bernard Foley. Um, it's, you know... I think what's really sad about it is uh, I'm not going to say too much about it, but I think there are two things that have to be have to be said. He was correct in his call. Uh, however, we see it all the time, um, and it's very rare, as everybody points out, that that call is ever made. Um, and what perhaps people found so hard to deal with was that that call was made at a juncture at which, uh, Australia essentially had the game in the, in the bag. Um, you know, if he'd made that call at any other time in, in the, in the, in the game, um, and he had given Australia, uh, yeah, I think he'd actually given both teams ample, uh, reminders to not waste time but if he had made that call earlier in the match for time wasting it wouldn't have had such an impact on the outcome so his sense of timing uh is perhaps uh as as to when to exercise that call is perhaps what goal people the most even if the decision itself was correct vis-a-vis -vis the rules however my counter to those feeling aggrieved by that decision was um you know, we've seen a lot of time wasting um, in the game recently, uh, in the last two or three years. It's becoming more and more prevalent. And maybe it was it, it was the right time to send a message that, you know, it's these are the consequences of time wasting. Um, and they have to be addressed and they have to be snuffed out of the game. And maybe by making that call at that point, 
it's one way that it's certainly got us all talking about it. And in a sense, that can only be for the better of the game. Um, I think, you know, one of the telling statistics about that game in the first half was that, um, you know, one of the things that's concerned me about international rugby at the moment is this constant, it's become a real stop-start game. Now, some of that is due to a lack of consistency in refereeing, a lack of consistency in interpreting the rules and so on and so forth. But I think, you know, I was watching the the breakdown on Sky Sports where they were dissecting that that first game between Australia and New Zealand. And they put up on the screen, which I found really alarming, was in the first half, it took 51 minutes to play that first half, but the ball was only in play for 12 minutes. I find that really worrying. That is the kind of statistic you expect to see in an NFL game, uh, in American football. It's not what you expect to see in our game. And watching both of those games at the weekend, like I, you saw that, you know, the game would stop, start, was long periods with nothing going on. It was just stop, start, stop, start. The uh, game against Argentina, uh, between Argentina and South Africa, suffered from the same problem. And at times, I was just, it was just ridiculous. Um, you know, are we getting to the point that we're enforcing these breaks so that now, you know, you can have an ad break every five minutes, like in American football? I don't want to see that in our game. So, you know, I think it's twofold. One, that that the interpretation of the rules, um, you know, needs to get tightened up and there needs to be consistency in decision-making by officials and world rugby, you know, maybe has to set some definite time limits on certain things like setting the line out, setting the scrum, uh, taking a penalty kick, because that would remove uh, a lot of um this sort of controversy from the game and potential for time wasting. So, yeah, I think some of the suggestions made by, I often don't agree with John Kerwin uh, on the breakdown in, in Sky Sports New Zealand, but I thought that was a really good suggestion. So that's it for that call. And as for did the right team or the wrong team win, you know, one of the things you never do against the All Blacks is you you never give them a whiff of opportunity right up until um, the final the final whistle. And unfortunately, time wasting um, is not going to be one that's going to give you the advantage. You know, Foley did sadly need to kick that ball out, get on with it, set up a line out that they could defend properly, and then the game would have been theirs. You know, make sure they get the line out, kick the ball out, then it's all over. But by doing what he did... He gave New Zealand an inroad, and you never do that with New Zealand. You never, ever do that. And I was really surprised, given that he is a player of experience, he should know that better than anybody. So as a result, I think, you know, sadly, Australia kind of blew their lines. And I think, you know, as well as Australia played, and they did play well at times, particularly in that second half, you know, when the game was all but done and dusted, 31-13, that's quite the comeback. But, you know, they also got lucky a lot of the time, I think. Um, you know, I'm sorry, I, I I don't mean to be a naysayer, but, you know, as much as they complained about the refing decision that went against them, they were very lucky, for example, that Andrew Kellaway's first try was not examined because, I'm sorry, I've looked at that 10 times. That's a forward pass if ever I saw one. 
But, you know, that didn't even get reference to the TMA, TMO. So, you know, they got away with that one. Um, I'm sorry. I really think Marika Korumbeti's tackling technique needs to get put under the microscope. Somebody is going to get badly hurt. Um, it, it really does concern me quite a bit. So, uh, you know, and Darcy Swain, for example, not seeing red, um, you know, after, you know, taking Quinn Tupaya out in the ruck, which was just dirty. Now he professes innocence and maybe there was a little bit to that. Uh, I'm not necessarily going to judge him as a dirty player. I would judge him as an impetuous and irrational, you know, impetuous and rash player at times, but to call him out and out dirty, despite what some people are, are saying, uh, we'll have to see. But, um, you know, I do think he should be sanctioned for as long as Tupai is out because that I don't want to see that. That was pretty nasty. So, yeah, there you go. I think, you know, you take all of those things into account. And I think as well as Australia played in that second half, and they did play some really good rugby throughout that match. But I think they also chanced it a bit too much. And as a result, it caught up with them at the end. Um, you know, and I think even if there hadn't been that call at the end, you know, given the fact that, you know, the that Kellaway's try, first try was uh, clearly off a forward pass, I'm not convinced they would have still have won that game, even without the controversy at the end. So that's my 10 cents worth. It's not dissing the Wallabies. I thought they had a really good game, and I really hope that they can take all the controversy out of their play and play uh, in the spirit in which they played some excellent rugby last weekend in this this final rugby championship round in, in Auckland. So enough said. You know, I mean, and refing decisions as well. You know, I think the All Blacks got away with a few things. Um, you know, I think that... Uh, um, Tyrrell Lomax was was lucky not to see uh, red on that that tip tackle. Very lucky. So, but again, you know that also comes back to this whole issue around the lack of consistency in refereeing decisions. Anyway, that's all I'm going to say about that that game. There, there's more than enough for you to peruse on various. I think there's more articles written about that game than there have been for a rugby game in probably the last ten years, but. You know, uh, I, I think hopefully World Rugby will take a stance because they need to get involved with this as well and just tighten tighten everything up, particularly in terms of officiating decisions, how they're interpreted, how they're um, how they're uh, broken down to the players on the pitch, and, and so on and so forth. And yeah, maybe setting some time limits for setting up some of the set pieces is, is required. Looking ahead to this weekend, um, and New Zealand versus Australia, Fortress Eden Park, Rugby Championship Silverware uh, on the line. Uh, New Zealand leading the race, tied in, in first with um, South Africa, but leading in terms of points difference. It's pretty hard to not see uh, New Zealand come away with the spoils. Um Make no mistake, Australia is going to be motivated. They will want to make some history, um, particularly in lieu of what happened to them last weekend. They'll have an axe to grind, uh, particularly with Mr. Reynal, who will be on the touchlines for this game. But yeah, I, I think it's a very, very tall order. 
you know, you look, um, but there are some opportunities for them. Um, the front row is uh, for New Zealand. Um, see some changes. Um, the big one is uh, Samasoni Takayo, who has been absolutely and utterly outstanding for New Zealand in this rugby championship. Uh, he's relegated to the bench um, at hooker, and Cody Taylor gets the start. Uh, I can see why New Zealand are doing it. They obviously um, feel relatively comfortable at Eden Park, and they also need to 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 rest Samasoni. I mean, he's pretty well played every game. But I don't have given Cody T- Cody Taylor really needs to put in a big performance on Saturday um, because so far this rugby championship, what we've seen from him and against Ireland has not been impressive by a long margin. Whereas his opposite number, Dave Parecki, I thought is actually playing pretty well. So um, yeah, uh, good stuff there from uh you know, an opportunity, put it this way, for Australia, should they they choose to take it. Um, and then in the, uh, shoring up the front rows, uh, you got Alan Alatoa and James Slipper for Australia. And again, I, I would say they're playing well. Um, you know, Australia had a relative degree of scrum success uh, in the set pieces. So I'd say it's a pretty capable Australian front row. Ethan DeGroote and Tyrrell Lomax. You know, we talked about Lomax, lucky not to see red last weekend. Um, but I think, you know, you could almost argue that if it wasn't at Eden Park, Australia would have the edge. But I think the fact it's at, at Eden Park and, you know, Cody Taylor is a good player. We just haven't seen it this year. Maybe this is the performance where he, this is the game where the uh, Cody Taylor of old that used to have such impact gets brought out. We shall see. Uh, in the second rows, you have um, Brody Retallick, Sam Whitelock uh, for New Zealand. Um, that's um, unchanged uh, for this weekend. I'm actually surprised to see again, you know, if you use the argument that players need to get rested and Samasoni's on the bench, um, that um, poor old Sam Whitelock is starting again. I would have thought this would be an opportunity to put in Tupovai, who is on the on the vent on the bench. Um, but nope, uh, you're starting with Sam Whitelock. So obviously, I think there's enough nervousness in in the New Zealand ranks that this this game isn't a done deal. So yeah. So yeah, Brody Retallick and Sam Whitelock up against um, a, a slightly changed second row, Jed Holloway and Katerin uh, Neville for Australia. I thought Jed Holloway had a pretty good outing last weekend. I've been impressed with what I've seen from Neville, but man, he's up. He, those two are up against some pretty serious experience in Retallick and uh, and uh, Whitelock. So yeah, I'm I'm definitely uh, my money's on. Uh, on New Zealand for that one. And they have Nick Frost on the bench. And like I said, uh, for Australia and Tupovai for New Zealand. Tupovai, I think, is a player to continue to watch. So, yeah, I would put my money on, in terms of the front five, I'd put my money on New Zealand. Back row uh, sees the return of Ardi Sevilla after the birth of his child last weekend. Um, and then Akira Ioani. Uh, and Dalton Papali. Uh, Dalton Papali, very glad to see him get a start. I think that's uh, long overdue. Um, 
Kira Yuani, we all know what, what he can do. Uh, Artie Sevilla is an absolute beast. So, yeah, I think um, that's a, at Eden Park, that is a pretty phenomenal unit. Uh, really interested to see uh, Papa Lee get, get a run out. I think he definitely needs it. And the, his opportunity to come in for Sam Kane, who's out with injury, is, is absolutely golden. And I expect to see him seize it with both hands. But he's no slouch uh, in the back row for Australia. Harry Wilson at number eight. Haven't seen too much of him so far this year, but we all know what he can do. Rob Valentini, um, he switches uh, from number eight uh, to take on the role of uh, blindside flanker. Um, so, yeah, um, I you know, Valentini for me right now is Australia's best player, hands down. Uh, he was immense last weekend. So expect another big show for him. But also uh, another guy who really stepped up to the plate last weekend was Pete Samu. Uh, very impressive performance from Valentini and Samu. So, yeah, and you all know what Harry Wilson can do. So it's, you know, I, I think New Zealand have the edge, but that's a pretty, uh, pretty potent back row. And filling in on the bench, you know, for New Zealand, you got Hoskins, excuse me, Hoskins Satutu, who had a pretty good outing last weekend. Um, and then Fraser McWright, you know, we all know what he can do for Australia. So, you know, it's it's a very competitive set of uh, four, a very competitive set of, of forward packs in this match. But I'm at Eden Park, uh, my money's on New Zealand. And then in the halfbacks, well, uh, everything uh, pretty much stays the same for Australia um, uh, from last weekend as it does uh, for New Zealand. So Aaron Smith, Richie Moanga for New Zealand. Uh, Moanga had a really good game last weekend, I thought. Bernard Foley, despite his faux pas at the end of the game, which ultimately cost Australia the game, um, I thought, he, what a blistering return to Test Rugby. He did make a couple of mistakes, uh, one or two mistakes during the match, but, you know, uh, looking aside from uh, the time-wasting call, that was a pretty impressive uh, return to Test Rugby. Uh, for Foley uh, and the Iceman. Really, really good. You know, I mean, he, he'll be kicking himself for that time-wasting call. But for the rest of it, he has very little, if any, anything to apologize for. Jake Gordon, I'm sorry. I I thought he was unlucky uh, to get that yellow card for collapsing the mole. I, I I thought that was a that was a kind of a weird call last weekend. He was very unlucky with that one. But overall... For me, he just he's he's not he's not what Australia needs in the number nine position. I find him kind of ponderous and slow. He stands back a bit too much. It's so yeah. I think between Foley and Gordon, um, up against Smith and Richie Moanga, add in the Eden Park factor. It's New Zealand all the way. Um, and Finley Christie uh, is in for um, Aaron Smith on the bench. So, yeah, you know, there's some real potential there as well. Uh, for Australia, you've got Nick White um, and also possibly Reese Hodge, whether they bring him on at fly half or um, at fullback remains to be seen. But, uh, yeah, you know, Nick White, despite his moaning and his, you know, his carrying on and his, his usual 
chirping of the referee, which didn't really help Australia's cause in the end. You know, you can't fault him. He did have a pretty good game last weekend. Uh, that goal kick was pretty impressive, if nothing else, for the, that penalty kick. So, yeah, you know, he is a valuable player for Australia, um, and he is a potent weapon. You may not like the guy, but you can understand why he's in the squad. But like I say, it's still, I think, uh, New Zealand's to take. And then uh, in the midfield pairing, you've got Rico Yuani um, for New Zealand, who had a blinder last weekend. He's just got better and better with each game in the rugby championship for New Zealand. But a surprising move for Jordy Barrett to center. Now, I know he has occasionally been seen in the center channels for the Hurricanes, but it's not a position I'm familiar seeing him in. And, uh, yeah, with with David Havili out injured, that's that's an interesting call. I would have thought, as seems many of the pundits, that this was the ideal opportunity to start Roger uh, Tuivasa-Shek but apparently not. So, yeah, it'll be very interesting to see how long Barrett stays on uh, and in what position, or do they just sub him off completely and Tuivasa Shek comes on, remains to be seen. Uh, I like the looks of this Wallaby center pairing, though, especially after last weekend, Lalakai Foketi and Len Ikatao. Uh, Both of these guys, I think, are playing out of their skins right now. And, Given their performance last weekend, uh, I'm actually putting my money on them, um, you know, in terms of giving Australia the slight edge in the center channels this weekend. <coughs> we shall see. Like I say, it, it really depends on what kind of impact Tui Basashek has. So, yeah, uh, that's it. And then in the back three, uh, for New Zealand, Bowden Barrett makes his return at fullback. Will Jordan on the wing and Caleb Clark. Uh, sorry. Yeah, Will Jordan on the wing, Caleb Clark on the other wing. Uh, Caleb Clark up against Tom Wright and Will Jordan up against Marika Corbetti and Andrew Kellaway uh, facing off at fullback against Bowden Barrett. Um, I've already talked about Corbetti's tack- tackle technique. I think he's a brilliant player, but it really does worry me. Um some of his hits and I really am concerned that somebody's going to get badly hurt before uh, the end of Australia's season this year but we shall see um Caleb Clark despite all the excitement about him as an all-in-all-out runner and gain line breaker I'm not sure he's the most uh quick thinking um and Perhaps I never like saying most intelligent of players because the man's not stupid by any stretch of the imagination. But on the pitch itself, I'm not sure his positioning, his passing at times can be a little bit left to, to be desired. But because he's so good at breaking the gain line um, at speed and a very hard man to bring down, um, then yeah, I can see his value added. Um, I think, you know, the contest between him and Tom Wright is, uh, I would I would argue, in favor of, of New Zealand and Caleb Clark. Um, but, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how he plays on Saturday because at, at times, I think, especially defensively, some of his positioning is a bit sketch. Uh, and, you know, but Tom Wright's got issues of his own as well, particularly discipline-wise as well. Uh, like I say, Marika Corambetti, Will Jordan, I think, uh, you know, these are these are two phenomenal wingers. I just hope that you're not seeing Will Jordan go off on a stretcher. 
Uh, Andrew Kellaway, really impressive uh, return to the Wallaby jersey for him, looking really, really sharp, looking really, really good. Um, not Bowden Barrett, though, and I think, you know, you put all three of that New Zealand back row, uh, sorry, back line together, uh, the back three of Clark, Barrett, and Jordan, and you add that Eden Park factor to it, and I think you're going to see some, some, some flashes of genuine brilliance from Australia, but... Uh, it's New Zealand's to, to bring home the bacon on Saturday. And then on the benches, uh, Saver Reese as well. That's a bit of a wild card for New Zealand. Uh, we all know what he can do, but then we also know what Jordan Pattaya can do um, for Australia. So, yeah, I think, you know, on paper, some opportunities for, for New Zealand to, to exploit and some uh, weaknesses in selection and some interesting positional calls by New Zealand. But I just, I just can't help seeing, you know, the, the Eden, Eden Park factor. Um, genuinely a, a New Zealand team that's starting to click and fire on all cylinders and looks like they've finally got that ability to adapt to their opposition weaknesses and play them accordingly is back. Um, some of that obviously down to uh, Joe Schmidt in the coaching box. So, yeah, I think it's uh, New Zealand to... Uh, pull away in the second half and uh, with a fairly strong, comprehensive win at the death uh, at the end without hopefully any refereeing controversial calls. And uh, there you have it. The New Zealand champion, the, the rugby championship wrapped up my New Zealand, but it's a championship where anything can happen as we've seen consistently. So who knows? Uh, available for you um, at 2.55 a.m. Premier Sports Flow Rugby uh, TSN. Uh, there's details over on the TV page on how to watch all of that. Um, and I'll leave it at that because I run out of time. And Springboks, uh, Pumas, I'll probably have to do tomorrow. So take care and talk to you soon.